So, but today is an important message. And I, you may laugh a little bit, you may cry a little bit, you may, I don't know. It's kind of a, an examination of your Christian faith today. And we all need to do this. Is our Christian faith a whim or a way of life? Is it a, just a religion or is it real? Is it a, just a part of our life or is it paramount? Sad verse in the Bible. Very sad. John six sixty six. And during that verse, it says, Many disciples who followed Jesus went back and went with Jesus no more. Did you catch that? There were followers at the time of Jesus who... When they heard some of the things he said, went back and followed him no more. Why? Well, they heard something that Jesus said and it seemed a little inconvenient. It seemed a little too demanding. It seemed a little too costly. And they said, Jesus, we'd like to follow you, but that's too much. You're asking for our whole life. We can't give you that. So they didn't follow him anymore. And I think that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. They went back and followed him no more. What does it say in your Bible? Take up your cross daily and follow him if you feel like it. Is that what it says? No, no. But that's the way we live it sometimes, don't we? Moreover, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful if he's up to it. Not what it says, is it? <laughs> be witnesses unto me if it doesn't interfere with your schedule too much. Is that what it says? No, those are not those are not correct Bible verses. We're to take up the cross and follow him, we're to be witnesses, we're to be faithful regardless. No, no way out. Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, verses one and two and thirteen. Look there. Remember now. Thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. And then in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Boy, don't we hate those four-letter words in our society. Work, pray, love, time, and the one I'm preaching on today, duty. 
If you listen to what I'm saying this morning as a servant of Christ, if you take it in your heart and put it there and keep it there, it will change your life. Because I think duty is one of the most important words you will ever hear. He says the finish of the whole matter. This is your whole duty. This is the whole duty of man. There are words in the Bible that describe our service, faithfulness, and the other's duty. What does the word mean? It's a French word. Listen to it. It means obligation or that which is due. Something we owe. And it's not passive. In other words, it means a moral commitment or obligation. Now ask yourself, do we have a moral obligation or commitment to Jesus Christ? Do we owe Jesus Christ anything? Do we? Say yes. Amen. I'm asking you the question. This is an interactive sermon. I'm not up here by myself. And feel free to say amen. I know there's very few of you do. I'm wondering something. I have to look back there and say, am I in a Baptist church? Between Cecil and I, I think we're the only ameners in here. So, so feel free to say it. Amen? Okay. We feel an obligation. Let me ask this question. Do we owe Christ anything? Of course we do. We have a sense of obligation to serve Him. And if you do, that's called duty. That's your duty. Robert E. Lee said this, Do your duty in all things. You cannot do more. You should never do less. General Douglas MacArthur said, Three words have carried our country and our, our military. Duty, honor, and country. Fanny Crosby, the great blind hymn writer, wrote in her wonderful, beautiful hymn, Rescue the Perishing, which describes our duty of evangelism, says this, Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor, the Lord will provide. Isn't that amazing that you put that in there? You see, Jesus gave his life for us, suffered for us, that we might be made rich. And we should have an obligation to do something. Now, duty in the Bible is used mainly in, in describing two areas of life. One, your marital life. <laughs> right? Right, men? Women? The duty talks about in Exodus 21.10, the duty of marriage. We have duties, obligations to one another. We're obligated. Do you know when you said, I do, you're obligated? Now, can you imagine doing your marriage like some people do their Christian walk with Jesus? Well, honey, I don't feel like I'm in love with you today. You going to say that to your wife? But there are days you might feel that way. Your emotions. I don't feel like I love you today. And you know, likewise. But God says, even on the days you don't feel like it, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And that's what, what men you're supposed to do. Love your wives, even when they got curlers in their hair. Even when they look unlovable. You heard me tell a story about a guy. He got up one morning, the kids were screaming, his wife was in curlers and had a, she looked a mess and had a bathrobe on and he went to work and he had this nice lady he worked with and she was beautiful, all made up and he fell in love with her and left his wife. A couple years later he went to leave the house, his wife was in curlers, the kids were screaming and he realized he was right back where he was. <laughs> you know? 
obligation. The reason a lot of people aren't married today is they forgot that marriage is duty and obligation. And let me tell you something. I've been married to the finest woman that I know all these years. She's right back there on the pew. You can look at her if you want. (laughs) And I know that my marriage to her is an obligation, but she makes it easy. But there are days, hey, look, you you can't go back. There are days I don't feel saved. No, but I'm saved. Bible, but I go back. The Bible tells me I am. The other, the other thing you said: better or worse, rich or poor, love or sickness. Falling out of love is no excuse in marriage. If you fall, fell in love, you can fall in love again. Amen. And that's the reason there's so many divorces. If you fall, if you're out of love, fall back in love. That's what I tell people when I counsel marriage. Did you ever love them? Yeah. Well, if you ever love them, you can love them again. That simple. It's duty. Servants. Second Chronicles 8.14. The priests of God's servants were given the task to perform each day as the duty of the day required. Servants. It was their duty to perform their tasks. And same way with us, it is our duty to follow after God. That means not because we like it. Not because we want to do it, not because it feels good, but because it's right. It's right. Amen? Amen. Because it's the right thing to do. There's a university down in South Carolina, I can't think of the name of it right now, Christian College in Greenville. It's named after a man, a Methodist preacher, and I can't think of his name. What is it? Bob Jones University. Thank you. Slipped right out of my mind. I'm old. <laughs> and Bob Jones used to have a saying, do right, do right. If the stars fall from heaven, do right. And folks, that's what we have to do. I don't feel like church today, Pastor. I just didn't feel like church today, Pastor. Well, bless God, get right with God. I don't care if you didn't feel like church today. It's our obligation to be here. It's our duty. Now, I'm going to blow your mind here. Pastor, do you always want to be at church? No. I'm old. I'm arthritic. And when those... Cold, wet days come in January and February, and I'm in that warm bed. Even the smell of Colombian coffee can't get me out of there. I don't want to get out of bed. Do you think I want to get out of bed? I'm like that one guy, he didn't want to go to church. He told his wife, I don't want to go to church. You've got to get out of bed and go to church. No, I don't want to go to church. Those people don't like me anyway. He said, I don't have, why should I have to be there? She said, because you're the pastor, that's why. <laughs> Do it because it's right, not because you feel like it. Now listen, 
we condemn that that we condemn that philosophy. Oh, you know that philosophy in the sixties and it's still going on today. If it feels good, do it. Why just anything you if it feels good, do it. And that's the philosophy of the world. And what do we do as Christians? Turn around and do the same thing. Well, I don't feel like church today. I don't feel like Sunday school today. I don't feel like we practice what we preach against. Like the hypocrites we are. Well, listen, if I only came and preached when I felt like it, you'd been without a pastor the last three weeks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> My wife says, I don't know how the last two weeks you didn't go into a coughing fit. I said, but God was gracious. <laughs> but, you know, I like turnip greens. How many here like turnip greens? When I was a kid, I hated turnip greens. I hated turnip greens, and my mom made greens all the time. She made poke salad, and I've written, none of y'all know what that is, Harley. How many know what poke salad is? Okay, a few of you are Southerners. We had poke salad, and we had turnip greens, and we had, uh, what's the other kind of greens? Collard greens and, and everything, and I hated greens. And my mom says, yeah, you got to eat greens. And I said, ah, I don't want to She put a little big spoonful, tablespoonful on my plate. So now you eat those. And I ate them. I'd get a lot of mashed potatoes, a little bit of greens, choke them down. And I kept eating those greens. And I said, I'll put another spoonful on there. And after a while, I said, man, I said, those greens smell good. And now my wife knows every time we go out, I said, I can't wait to go to k and I'm going to get me some greens. <laughs> I love greens. And they cook them really good. Don't they? I love their turnip greens. And I love turnip greens. I love collard greens. And I'd love poke salad if anybody could fix it. I love greens. Well, I love greens so much, if you put a plate of greens in front of me and a sizzling steak... I'd pick the steak. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not a dummy. Uh, but listen, seriously. One word separates that church member who is faithful from the one that isn't. And that's duty. One word separates the faithful husband from the runaround. Duty. One word separates that good Sunday school teacher who visits her students, brings and studies, prays, commits. And that is duty. I'd like you to look at Matthew 13 with me. Just for a couple of verses here. Matthew 13. We're actually going to bring this thing to a close here in about five or ten minutes. Matthew 13, verse 20 and 21. But he that received the seed into stony places is the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he has no root in him, but endureth for a while. But when what? When tribulation or problems 
or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. There are a lot of Christians. As long as everything's okay and hunky-dory and everything's going smooth down at the church, I'm all in. But as soon as there's a little problem, I'm out of there. Is that your duty? To run away from problems? Is that what I read here? Jesus is kind of criticizing that. He says that this person, they're a little trouble or persecution. They're offended. God help the pastor who comes to a church and because there's a little church problem, he runs away. Or there's a big church problem and he runs away. Listen, I, I've dealt with some problems through the years. I dealt with one in North Kannapolis. It was huge. I didn't run. As a Christian, don't run from problems. Don't run from problems. That's the key. And when you come to the point, and here's the key thing, and the key matter here this morning, listen to me. When you can trade that inspiration for obligation. You know, you go to teach that Sunday school, that first Sunday, you're all excited, you've done your, your work, and you've prayed, and you've done everything, and you're all excited, and that's fine, and you go in there excited, and you do a great job, and then ten months later, you go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I'm tired, I just don't feel it anymore. I'm not getting an umph anymore. Trade your inspiration for obligation. Church member, do your duty. I don't feel it anymore. I, I'm not getting anything out of the Word. Do your duty. Nine times out of ten people say that. The pro if you say, I'm not getting anything out of the Word, <laughs> if you're not getting anything out of the Word, whose problem is that? It's not the church's problem. It's not the pastor's problem. It's your problem. But what do we have? We have this half on, half off, half baked, half cold, half hot, backslidden, backbinding, soft soaping kind of Christianity. No wonder the world isn't one. No wonder we're not winning the world to Christ. We don't have any more commitment to our faith and show any more obligation and duty than the world. We need Christianity. And it needs to be strong. I'm going to get here to the end. This might surprise you a little bit, but character is what you do when you're supposed to, even if you don't feel like it. Amen? You want to know what great character is? It's when you don't feel like it, and you know it's right, and you still do what's right. One man said, I slept and dreamed that life was beauty, but then I awoke to find that life was duty. If the day comes, you don't feel that tingle anymore, that's okay. If you don't feel that excitement anymore, that's okay. If, if, if church isn't fun for you anymore, that's okay. Then you trade whatever you had for duty. 
I'm not here, and this is going to shock you, when God called me to be a pastor. I was sitting in a pastor's conference at Florida Bible College in 1974. And I was convinced then because I had traveled and preached at First Baptist Church of China Grove, First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, and a lot of churches, that God was calling me to be the next great evangelist. And God called me not to be an evangelist, but to be a pastor. Tied down to the same people week after week. <laughs> I said, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. And, I, and I, that night when God laid it, and I knew as the preacher preached, oh, Curtis Hudson, and he described the heart of a pastor, that that was my heart. And I knew that was what I was supposed to do, and God revealed it. And I cried and said, Lord, no. 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 Because I don't want to do that. And so 45 years, I committed myself because it was my duty and did what I did not personally want to do. Okay? All right? 45 years. Even my son came in one day and said, Dad, I just realized you've been pastor for 45 years. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, I got an attaboy for my son. There it is. Can you... Christian friend, trade what you have for doing your duty in your obligation to Christ. 